it's nice to um, to not only see your face, but that we actually get to bow to each other now and feel it in return, which is something I'll be, be speaking about. But first, let's <clears throat> enjoy our sitting together for a few minutes. As we sit together in these first few minutes, my wish that as, as you bring your own attention and energy to your sitting, you also feel the energy and attention of all those that are sitting with you some of whom you can see on the screen and feel the immense 
power of something so simple and quiet. This weaving together of lives across the globe of a simple but powerful intention to care for each other, both offering yourself by your sitting and your silence and uprightness, even if you're lying down, it's the intention. And then receiving the care and kindness from others as they offer their silent attention to you. And in this way, we weave together this vast robe of liberation, which we'll chant in a few moments. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. As I look at the screen and, and look at the patterns that change and scroll through the pages, it reminds me of <clears throat> each time my mother shows me the newest um, blanket or shawl or afghan that she's knitted or crocheted and the different patterns and the different colors of the yarn. Um, it's always different, but it's equally comforting, <laughs> no matter what the pattern and with the shape, uh, somewhat like this. Um, I also wanted to just name uh, 
for those of you in the United States, you'll know this if you're uh, in the UK or Europe, maybe not, but there was yet another mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado yesterday, and a number of people were killed. So I'd like to just dedicate our efforts and our practice today to those people and to everyone who's touched by it, which means all of us, but those who were much closer, including the uh, the person who struggled with such difficulty that they would make such a decision to be harmful in that way. I, I didn't know about this, of course, um, when I began to prepare what I hope to offer as a reflection today. <clears throat> um, last time, I believe, I, I spoke a bit about uh, kindness. And today, I wanted to take it further and um, speak just a little bit about care uh, in the, as the heart of our, our practice. And in one of my practice discussion groups, somebody brought forward a book which I had received as a gift. And some of you may know. I don't know if you can see it because of the reflection. Do you know this little book, some of you? Um, I see Trudy, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. The author was born in Northumberland. And um, it's a remarkable little book. I, I might have to do a whole retreat on this book. Um, and I'm not going to focus on it fully today, although I probably will come back. But as, as we looked at it yesterday, there's this, there are beautiful drawings. And in this page, it says, uh, the mole asked the little boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the little boy said, kind. And you know in this first page that this is not going to be an ordinary book. And that's the answer, like inquiry to the question. And on the next page, he asked, the boy asked the mole, what do you think success is? And the mole says, to love. You know, the name that uh, Peg and I chose for the center and the work we do is uh, Appamata. Some of you know this, most of you do, but it's worth just a, a small uh, repeat. <clears throat> that in the Pali record of the Buddhist teachings, Appamata is the final word that was spoken at the end of his life as he was dying. And um, his followers were asking him, what, what should we do? How, how are we going to manage when you're gone? And he said something like, carry forward with Appamata, um, which essentially means um, a diligence, but more than just diligence, but uh, a mindful, heartfelt, diligence, clear, mindful care. And at other times in his teaching life, he had spoken about this, this term, apamata. And he even said apamata was, um, you heard us use this phrase, the elephant's footprint. Apamata, the elephant's footprint is the biggest one in the forest. All the other footprints can fit inside of it. All the other teachings fit inside of mindful, clear, diligent care. So it's worthy, I think, of our, our uh, reflection today. There was um, a Chinese physician in the end of the 6th and first part of the 7th century, Sun Si Miao. And one quotation from his work, he said, People fall ill because they do not know they are loved and cherished. 
and we live in a world right now where there are a number of people who have fallen ill and those recovering and some haven't. But aside from viruses and violent people, all of us uh, can fall ill if we don't feel loved and cherished. Uh, Sun Simiao was called the king of medicine in, in China because of his tremendous teachings and care. And it was exactly the same time that Chan, which later became Zen, be, began to develop in China. And those teachers were revolutionary. They took the Buddhism of northern India and received it with their Taoist background to form a revolutionary kind of practice that we practice now, which encourages us to find a kind of freedom to meet the world, as I was suggesting a moment ago, and then receive the world and respond to it. The freedom to meet and receive the world with some clarity, which we call wisdom, and then to respond to the world with compassion, with the heart of care. And to fully appreciate our life, the one we have, and to then offer ourselves wholeheartedly to that life. Uh, you've heard us use the term sometimes appreciative and contributory. We can appreciate our life and contribute ourselves to the life, which is relational and improvisational all the time, meeting situations without obstruction. This is our practice to help remove the barriers to both receiving our life and responding to it. Basically, to learn to both offer and receive care from others, to offer back and to receive care, and to offer and receive care in the world within you, deep inside. So we, we chant, um, vast is the robe of liberation, um, realizing this way in which we're held and wrapped together like we're sitting. But also, it's not just the fabric of being held, it's the dance with freedom, uh, without obstruction, a dancing without being too self-conscious, without stepping on each other's toes maybe too much, always listening to the music, which is the Dharma, with care. And what about these obstructions? What about meeting life and receiving it without obstruction? Well, we know that the Buddha's teachings said there are three primary barriers. Um, sometimes they're spoken of as greed, hate, and delusion. Um, let's start at the end, just quickly. Uh, what gets in the way of the expression of apamada, of diligent care, delusion, which is a, really a deep and abiding confusion. And the confusion is that we experience ourselves as completely independent, separate selves and beings, which, and that sets up a, a special kind of confusion because if we're separate and individual, then we begin to slowly feel the fear about the scarcity of care, scarcity of attention, scarcity of generosity or kindness, a real help, 
um, compassion and love. And all of us, I'm sure we can tell the stories of growing up in our families and trying to find a way to become an, an adult or some semblance of an adult. And it can seem like this scarcity of care is the truth of the matter. But really, it's just the truth at that time around which we sometimes make lifelong decisions. Because fear and hurt in these situations lead us to form, you know, protective and habitual contractions, a kind of reactivity and competition for what seems scarce. And all of those patterns look like the other two obstructions, greed and hatred, or I like to say aversion and grasping, the two sides of turning away and clinging, the ways that we respond. And all of these things, without going into them, really emerge from this hurt and fear and scarcity of kindness and care. This is how we fall not only ill, but fall into uh, the habit patterns which we call suffering. So the Buddha suggested carry forward with apamada, with clear, diligent care. The old Chinese physician let us know that he thought that people fell ill because they didn't know that they were loved and cherished. Maizumi Roshi in the contemporary setting said, appreciate your life and also offer yourself back to the life that you have. The path to working with these obstructions are the Four Noble Truths, the Four Practice Principles. The first one, life is everything that it is. We usually use that word dukkha about dissatisfaction, but that's the dissatisfaction of a separation. It's life isn't exactly what we hoped for. And it's not everything that we feared. Um, it's certainly not what we were told or promised. It's just everything that it is fully, always reliably. You get the whole thing, which causes the second one, the second noble truth, which is we tend to react to the whole catastrophe in very predictable ways by grasping what we want, pushing away or turning away from what we don't. And we create, by our reactivity, more, the very obstructions that we're seeking to resolve. And this is the cycle. The third noble truth says that we can learn to contain this reactivity, it's human, and but transform the energy rather than into habit patterns, into responsible care, into apamada, into diligent mindful care. That's the path. And there is a way of describing that path, which is the Eightfold Path, the practice turn, the fourth noble truth, where everything returns to the world of care. 
we in the traditional list it says right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action. There's that list that you're familiar with. But but listen, what if it's like this? Number one, our understanding is in accord with a life oriented by care. Secondly, our thoughts are in accord with a life based in care. Our speech, number three, is in accord with this life of care. Number four, our actions reflect our commitment to care. Five, our livelihood supports a life dedicated to care. Six, our efforts and energy support a life dedicated to care. And seven, our mindful practices remind us of the centrality and essential nature of care. And finally, concentration practices support our commitment to care. You can frame every one of the Eightfold Path into a way of following the practice of care, of following Apamada, of appreciating our life as it is, which is, we'll chant later, the only teacher. You know, anything that you truly appreciate and value, you're going to care for, right? Something that you really value, you, you take care of. And the more something is struggling or broken that you care about, the more you care for it, or the more care it requires. Sometimes that's ourselves, sometimes that's others. Fear seems to have a corrosive or eroding factor in care. Fear begins to erode care. But kindness and friendship nourish care. And our love for each other and ourselves is the embodiment of care. So, you know, it's, it's like I'm taking a, a jewel and just looking at it from different uh, places, really, just speaking about care as the central feature. I was even playing a little bit, maybe awkwardly, with... Um, our vow is that I spoke about our, our practice, our essential practice, the path, and what's the vow? Well, the Bodhisattva vow is our, our primary vow. And let's, let's insert care and play with it a little bit. Beings are numberless. I vow to care for them all. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to remove obstructions to care. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them all with diligent, mindful care. And Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to embody it with care and love. And as often uh, we chant, we include our community in the second, second recitation. Beings are numberless. We vow to offer care for them all together. Delusions are inexhaustible. We vow to remove obstructions to care together. Through caring for each other. Dharma gates are boundless. We vow to enter them all with diligent, mindful care together. And Buddha's way is unsurpassable. We vow to embody it with care and love together. And that beautiful third recitation where it's universal, beings are numberless, this vow frees infinite care. Delusions are inexhaustible. This vow ends all obstacles. 
to care. Dharma gates are boundless. This vow enters the inconceivable world of care. And Buddha's way is unsurpassable. This vow embodies profound care. And this embodiment of profound care is the essence of apamata, of our practice. It's like the little boy saying, when I grow up, I want to be kind. And understanding what success is, is to love and be loved. So, in some ways, very simple teachings, but I just wanted to walk us through um, some things that sound more like our uh, Buddhist teachings. But in the world right now, I think there's nothing more important. In the everyday world, there's nothing more important. But it um, feels close right now. This need for uh, offering care and receiving care in the world that we live in. So our, our practice brings us to not only understanding that centrality, but also giving us a path to removing obstructions and obstacles and a vow to come back to, to remember how to orient ourselves. So in terms of your path, your vow, obstructions you might be um, meeting, maybe that's what we could, we could talk about to support your practice, to support the dance without our stepping on each other's toes too much, without losing the, the music of the Dharma. So please uh, raise your hand and um, Maria will help you come, come forward. Or you can enjoy looking at all the sweet faces on the screen and offer your care and receive their gaze back. Cassie? I'll be happy to have Cassie. <laughs> there she is. Um, I guess I thought to, um, uh, first of all, I was very touched by uh, the, uh, uh, in accordance with care that you know the, the the i'm gonna write that down and you know write it down over and over and over again um and where i find my place of struggle is in um habits that are obstacles to self-care mm -hmm. that offering care to others seems to bubble up without any resistance mm -hmm. but um you know deep habits that were, you know, initially forms that saved me that became forms that um, keep me away. Yeah. Um, so you have that awareness as a starting point. Uh, they're not, you're not, um, so they're delusions when you believe that those obstructions are the way you should be acting 
Or that it would be kind to myself at that moment. And it really, it's not. Yeah. And so you begin to wake up to realize the pain or the suffering inherent in what you used to take as ordinary or necessary. Right. Right. And then you feel the additional discomfort, actually, with that awareness. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Awareness is a bitch. We've known that for a while. <laughs> and and she frees you if you let her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the next step, you know. Yeah. And one thing that I think is crucial and why I took the time to go through the Bodhisattva vow in those three ways is to also underscore that this um, appreciative and contributory, receiving and giving, it's a it's a two-way street. You can't you can't actually do it all alone. You can't just sit in zazen or do your study and expect for um, the full transformation to take its course. It requires what we're doing right now. If you step forward, you raise your hand. You've just asked for help. Maria responded by helping you. I came forward. All these other people are on your side right now, I know. And by yeah, this, I scrolled through the page. It's just wonderful seeing. I know. Uh, it's just and your being here is help. You're offering something to them. <clears throat> so that no giver, no receiver, no gift thing starts to, starts to open. And within that context, I think you have a little more open path to self-care because you have help. You have warm eyes, you have warm smiles, you have voices, you have hands. Uh, and some days you'll have more hugs. <laughs> Maybe April. <laughs> yes, and, and, and walks and talks and dinners and coffees. And, mm -hmm. and so that within that framework of care, care becomes what you start being immersed in instead of the fears and ideas and or just barriers and not noticing. Sometimes it takes a lot of focus, sure. Once you wake up to certain things, it takes some effort and some diligence, but that actually doesn't happen until you begin to sort of marinate. Right. And they care and they feel that you're, you know, people fall ill because they don't feel loved and cherished. Yeah, that, that struck me like a lightning bolt too. I was just like, oh yeah, there it is. And yeah, I can that, see it from adolescence. That's the whole thing for me. And what you offer so beautifully with uh, your little, what I call your nieces and nephews. Yeah. And that they offer back to you uh, as um, kind of filling in some gaps from the family that you grew up in. Yeah, it's really, really big. Stuff happening right now with Sam is really, really big. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, um, seeing him and seeing what he hid and how early he started to hide and looking back over the time like, oh, I can see him hidden there now. And I always wondered why in my childhood nobody ever came after me. And I was just like, oh, he was hiding and I didn't come after him. I knew he was separating, but I, I, he wasn't ready to say. And I, you know, and so I guess there was some respect 
to that. Uh, but you know what that's like. Pardon? You know what it's like not to be respected. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the improvisational nature. You you go off on this side and you say, oh, that's too far. And you come this way, it's like, oh, maybe that's too far. You find your way. That's the dance. That's exactly the dance of care. And um, so people understand you don't have to say more, but what is his age? Sam is 13 and has uh, come out to his family as uh, a non-binary gender and as identifying as queer. And uh, because that was the same age that I did the same thing, it is it is a lot of work right now to process. And uh, to for him then to come to me and for me to have my voice from that period. That's right. is, you, didn't have, you didn't have that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So now you can offer your care as healing for him. Yeah. And, um, and, and with his parents too, you know, his mom, you know, I've always been very, very loved by the family and his mother has doubled down on the love for me when I'm there because I, I feel like directly because of, of what's going on now with Sam mm-hmm. and negotiating those really important things through both parents and the child is, um, extraordinarily powerful and really important to you right it's really important to me so that means you need to take care of yourself yeah so that i can be there for him yes that's the thing when things struggle or are broken they require more care so that brings you to the deep practice motivation of valve care yeah it's actually through love not through get your act together or something that's doesn't right. do it all right yeah Thanks for sharing that so intimately and so wholeheartedly. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. We love you. Thanks. I'll be right back. Look around. Everybody across yeah. the screens. Boy, doesn't it make a difference to have everybody's face on the screen? It's so wonderful. And so wonderful to see them from all the different places of the country and world, too, is just spectacular. Yeah. So, about to each of you. Thank, thank you. you. This is the, the lived example. This is a perfect teaching. Thank you. I see Claudine. Claudine, yes. Ah, there we are. It's you're still muted. Oh, there we go. Okay, now I'm yes. I thank you for for your talk. It was so touching, and I just understood how I I was in my way. I was really in the way all my life to stop love, and it was quite so clear mm. and 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 i struggled all my life but i on the other hand i i didn't want to to stop to be angry at my mother or to stop to be indignant for the other person i was in love a few years ago and i didn't want to stop that and it was and suddenly when you talked i suddenly thought oh well because I didn't receive what I wanted from my mother, from this person. So
so I decided that I, I, I decided some way to close my heart, yeah. but I don't need to. <laughs> no, it's a choice. And, <laughs> you moved from yeah, and grasping to aversion. Yes, and suddenly it, it was, it was suddenly so clear. Good, 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 good. That's, that's, uh, that's the awakening. That's the light coming on. Yeah, and that is this, this mudra we make with our hands huh, when we sit. And suddenly I began to make like an akomi exercise. Open my hands to contribute and then taking back appreciation and open again. Wow. So thank you so much. Yes, yes, yes. And thank you, everybody, because I really, well, I, I felt so much that you were all there when we were sitting and listening to Flint. And I thought I would be so afraid to talk with so many people uh, here. And then I, I, I felt suddenly that, no, it was just, giving and receiving and receiving and giving thank and you so and much everybody been, in Flint. and you've been a bit alone during all this period during covid you've it's yes. nice to connect you know yes and it was so true for me that uh, not to be loved and, and not to love was uh, brought me almost to death so these words mm -hmm. went very very deep yes so it's a big joy. Thank you so much, everybody. And thank you so much, Flynn. You too. So we have Joan. Ah, Joan Harmon. We go from the the, the shore of Lake Geneva to the shore of Town Lake in <laughs> Austin. <laughs> um, what this is bringing to my mind was the time when I felt that love was finite. Mm -hmm. And of course, that was when I was young. And the more I experienced, and of course, it really took having my second child and loving my second child with all my heart, just as I did my first child, and realizing if I had a zillion children, I would have love for all of them. And you wouldn't run out. No, love is not finite. We don't have to be stingy with our love. Mm -hmm. There is enough for everyone. Yes, and, we, and our, part of our delusion is we conflate that universal undying, unending love with very human things like attention or saying the right thing or the wrong, you know, a whole lot of small things. Yeah. And chip away at this abundance that's there. And getting greedy with it, that does this person love me more or most? And there's not a a measure there isn't a sense but 
that's in a real small-minded sense. Yeah, yeah. And the way that we, that underneath that grasping and uh, the sense of uh, competition is fear. Mm-hmm. You know, we really are terrified because we require each other and we require love for our... Um, it's like a, a vitamin that we require, and what you're saying is it's infinitely available, but we miss it. We feel so desperate for it. Yeah, I feel so desperate we, for all these reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We miss it. And there are people that, you know, withhold and punish, and there are people that are cruel and all kind of things. Um, but that's still in a world suffused with love, and what you're seeing is the lack of it. You're seeing the way people have fallen ill for the lack of being loved and cherished. Well, and perhaps are feeling that love is finite. That's right. So they have to grasp it and have to dole it out for fear that they won't get their portion. And that sets up a sequence of suffering. Mm -hmm. So as we come back and have our view and our understanding and our work and our everything, the Eightfold Path, as we begin to reorder it, you have this turnaround, which is like Claudine was talking about, we're suddenly like, oh, there's a different choice. Yeah, and your two children help you begin to see, oh, this is not 50% here and 50%. It's 100% and 100% and 100% and 100% always. And just when I think about it now, I just feel my chest growing. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just um, bountiful and uh, full. And that's the classic, by the way, what you just did was the one of the classic ways of they say calling forward bodhicitta, the um, desire that everyone be free and, and bringing up compassion as you think about someone or something, a situation that you love very much. And it begins to, it's like priming the pump. It begins to flow. So thank you for reminding us of that. You can have something like that that reminds you when you've lost your way. It's very human. It isn't some spiritual idea. It's, it's embodied. This is all very human. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Thanks, Joan. It's wonderful to see you today. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful to see everyone um, pitch in in the chat. Sometimes if you don't notice, there are these lovely conversations going on of um, care on the side. What other things are bubbling around inside that um, I can support you around? It doesn't even have to be about this topic. Rosemary, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm on. Okay, good. Hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, one of the um, obstructions that um, I that I um, am finding to um, just fully be there and care in the ways that I want to is time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I've always had 
a very busy life. And since 2020, with everything that it, you know, that came about, um, and Zen for me, with totally new meditation, you know, the desire, you know, is there. And, but I'm finding I don't really want to adjust too much all of the other, you know, projects in my life. So that's kind of where I'm at, just trying to, and that of course makes everything very frustrating because I'm trying to, you know, do some new things and maintain the old. And so, yeah, it's, it's a bit of, it's quite a dance at this point. Well, it's what you're talking about in a way is that sense that we get when we reorient uh, our vow. Because uh, you you see in some ways what you have vowed, how you've aligned your life, and suddenly things shifted. And there's something else that you'd like to orient to a, sh a turn, but you've been oriented this way. And there's an old maxim you've probably heard before: um, time fills, I mean, work fills available space is that if you don't carve it out, you're just gonna work. Yeah. And so it means you have to bring mindful, diligent care to the way that you structure your time. Exactly. Not try to figure out how to manage time so you can care for yourself. And to bring that mindful, diligent care to the one in you who is pushing you or managing your time and find out about what her fears are if she begins to soften the rigid or strong way in which she directs you around time. It looks like on your face that struck a chord somewhere. Yeah, de definitely, definitely. I, I, I like the idea of um, taking, of, getting, of taking care of the part that you know, just wants to get back into the, uh, the busyness. Yes, and find out what she worries about if she were to relax that a little bit. So, so there's your there's your practice edge. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. May it may it go well for you. Someone texted me earlier before we began, um, respectfully saying, I've injured my back and I'm going to have to lie down. I can't sit. Uh, but I want to be I want to be with you. And then in the, the chat, you know, we're having someone say, oh, I think I'm falling asleep. And I'm I always want to say, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself first. You know? But each of those people were respectful and cared for the group too by saying, this is the situation I just want to let you know. So there's both care for the group and care for self. And one doesn't have to take over the other. Laura? 
Hi, Laura. Hi, Flint. Hi, everyone. I feel really tender with this subject. It really is elevating something that does feel so important right now. And I wanted to share that I felt kind of a practice turn when you restated the Bodhisattva vow. And it came up a little bit when you were chatting with Cassie too, about how delusions are something that I actually have a lot of fear around. And the phrasing of delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them, feeds this idea that I think I grew up with, that if you're logical enough and smart enough, you can sort of avoid all the human trappings. And if you can, you know, sort of like control your emotions, that was sort of the dynamic in the household. But to hear instead this element of bringing care to the delusions and that what you were engaging with with Cassie, if I'm getting this right, that it's about awareness of the delusions, not that that will then eliminate all delusions. And it just shifted the relationship of a fear-based um, relationship to delusions and all that that I don't know and all the confusion when you associate it with that word confusion. I feel so much confusion <laughs> all the time. Yeah, and to know I can meet that with care was a big turn. Good, good. That really makes a, a big change, doesn't it? It does. That you yeah. actually take care of those parts of you that carry the delusions mm. and see what the confusion is and what the obstructions are. And, and suddenly there's infinite directions to face for care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine that the when you live in a household where you're talking about controlling of emotions or where there's some you know, mental illness, like the struggles with your brother and things, it becomes terrifying. Yeah. And impossible to stop. Mm-hmm. But you can offer care. Right. Mm-hmm. Which has also been useful in all of my relationships now and recognizing this this element of how my environment created this this disaster mindset we've talked about before assuming that any innocent situation can actually turn into disaster because that was the experience sometimes and not seeing that as a problem or anything wrong but also meeting that with care and it's just very inclusive it's the elephant's footprint I feel like yeah. Um, it's so big to bring everything in as opposed to othering parts of ourselves, which is a part of myself who also likes to think she can control things. <laughs> that, that's a really nice way to state practice, to bring everything in instead of othering everything. That's a really great phrase mm, uh, yeah. to use. And when we were running it through the Four Noble Truths, it's like the, the difficulties that were happening in your family were happening. That, that's what it was. Right. And everyone had their reactivity. Mm-hmm. They grasped to, what they pushed away, what they didn't want to notice and stay confused about. But there's mm-hmm. a way of suddenly turning all that. It gets freed up for care, mm-hmm. you know, by exactly what you're doing. And then there's a path where our views and our intentions start to line up with care mm-hmm. instead of with the fear. Yeah. The fear's there, but you're caring for the fear. Right. You know, the, the confusion is there, but you're caring for the, because the one who's caring is the, the Buddha, the Bodhisattva inside. Mm-hmm. And the parts that are that carry the difficulties are those who are being cared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just a small thank you to the group too. I had a sensation when we were meditating and you um, 
recognized the how we are holding each other here. And I just had this realization that it's very rare that I think to call upon the resources of the Sangha, to call upon everybody's practice here as something that I can tap into. It's there for me too. And so that was really meaningful. It's one of the greatest forms of courage to ask for help. So naturally, we bow to each other. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Thank you, Flint. When Laura started talking, she mentioned this, um, the tenderness of not only each person speaking, but the, the topic. And I wondered if that was part of the hesitation in the beginning of people coming forward. Um, that there's a certain kind of tenderness in this that... Um, um, brings forward kind of a shyness. Because as each person spoken, it's been quite um, quite tender and, and sweet and beautiful. We have a few more moments if there's anything remaining. I'd love to, um, as Rosemary would say, I don't want to waste the time, you know. Josh and Trudy, well, Josh or Trudy, <laughs> or both. We always get two for one, don't we, Maria? <laughs> yeah. Ah, there you go. The plant, the flowers on, on our mantelpiece, and uh, I was thinking how I love keeping them going, and, um, you know, yeah, freshening the water and moving them about, and, and, and there's something was something about that sense of tenderness that I was thinking about self-care not being um, not being this thing you do to yourself, but something you allow yourself to wash in. Yes. And, and that had, for me, that had a kind of really mm -hmm. different feeling as I was feeling that, like, what would it be like to just open to the care that's flowing all the time rather than it's something I have to do. That's wonderful because it's a, and it's, it's a big turn for um, a mother. <laughs> the woman and wife. Yeah. That self-reliant mother. <laughs> that care isn't an instrumental activity that one performs. It's this vast robe of liberation in which we can immerse ourselves and steep ourselves in and both receive and express like yeah. breathing you know uh, breathing yeah. is not something you have to do no i mean you can remember sometimes it's quite a good idea to but it was something about that yeah it, it was it was such a such a tender thing so i i, I was just so deeply reminded of Ginny's favorite poem which I, I don't know if there's time for me to read it but yes. i know you can get. I know how you can get. Yep, the Rumi. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if it's Hafiz or Rumi. Oh, maybe Hafiz. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. I know the way you can get. I know the way you can get when you've not had a drink of love. Your face hardens and your sweet muscles cramp. Children become concerned about a strange look that appears in your eyes, which even begins to worry your own mirror and nose. 
squirrels and birds sense your sadness and call an important conference in a tall tree. They decide which secret code to chant to help your mind and soul. Even angels fear that brand of madness that arrays itself against the world and throws sharp stones and spears into the innocent and oneself. Oh, I know the way you can get if you've not been drinking, love. You might rip apart every sentence your friends and teachers say, looking for hidden clauses. You might weigh every word like a scale on a dead fish. You might pull out a ruler to measure from every angle in your darkness, the beautiful dimensions of a heart you once trusted. I know the way you can get if you've not had a drink from love's hands. That is why all the great ones speak of the vital need to keep remembering God, so you will come to know and see him as being so playful and wanting, just wanting to help. That's why Hafiz says, bring your cup near me, for all I care about is quenching your thirst for freedom. All a sane man can ever care about is giving love. Little bell for Ginny. Thank you, Ginny. <laughs> I love that line because it accords with my own vow. All I really care about is bringing that forward and punching the thirst. I see Josh smiling deeply when I said that. So <laughs> you know the feeling, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you very much, and thanks for for reading it so beautifully as always. And I love I love that that poem and. And for those who don't know, uh, Ginny um, was from Sheffield, England, at least when we knew her, and a retired physician and helped bring the first Lakomi trainings and many other trainings. Uh, and But she was a dynamic force, much beyond that, and a great, great friend. Yeah. And had died a few years ago, pancreatic cancer. So we miss her. We miss her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. And maybe we'll... Um, We'll do our final chant now. The four practice principles which um, remind us of the path and practice of care. Caught in a self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment. Compassion's way. Thank you so much for all of your care and for our continued uh, grace to be together. I'll turn it over to Maria and hopefully some of you can hang out and continue to be with each other, offering care. Thank you so much, Flint.
Apramada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support makes a huge difference. There is a link for contributions on the website at apramada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you very much, everybody. And we now go over to the second part of our evening, which is after inquiry, where we all meet on the virtual porch and you're all welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much.